Welcome to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Sit back, relax, and let's chalk up a game plan with your host and coach, David Bischlein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. I am your host, David Bischlein. I want to thank you guys for listening in today. Uh, We've been doing this now for a while, and I appreciate all the listens and all the likes and all the reviews. If you haven't left a review or a five-star rating, please do so. It does help get the word out about the podcast. And man, we are finally into spring. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great spring. It depends on where you live, I guess. But for us in the northern uh, North America area, it is spring. And the weather is turning. It's starting to get a little warmer out. Uh, I'm coaching spring football, like I've said. So that's almost over. We're going to hop straight into baseball. My kids have all started their stuff. It has become from very little to a lot feeling like overnight, but it's been good. I'm excited. Hope all everybody is doing well. All right. So this week's adoption view, our charity, our podcast is going to be one that is near and dear to my heart and also near and dear to our guest's heart. And that is the Sparrow Fund. So the Sparrow Fund is a organization that actually their mission is to care for caregivers. What that means is they are serving families in foster care and adoption, as well as those who are vulnerable children through individualized support, education, and specialized programs to encourage, connect with families to a larger community. Basically what they do is number one, they offer scholarships or a grant for medical review, which is you will send your uh, adoptive child's medical information to a doctor they then look at it that's huge but not only that they then look after the adoptive and foster parents so for us in our situation when we when our first placement didn't go through they were there to kind of counsel us and help us Um, kelly and abby who we've worked with specifically phenomenal people and I, I love them. They have been so supportive. Uh, we are actually, my wife and I are going to be doing a three-week like uh, kind of a virtual conference with them. I know uh, our guest today, he set in on a panel uh, for adoptive families that have biological children. They are just caring for the caregiver, and I love them for it. And they answer all my stupid questions. It, it, it's just been awesome. awesome. I, I love it. And they offer training, and I know that they'll get with us before we leave, but also get with us when we get back from adopting our child. Love them. I, I just, they're just great. So if you're looking for a, an organization to support, uh, the Sparrow Fund is definitely it. Guys, we're not going to waste any time. It is just such a good interview today. Uh, I will let you know we had a little bit of internet issue, had to switch rooms in the middle of it. So I do apologize for that. But today's guest is Bjorn Anderson. Yes, Bjorn, what a great name. He lives in New Hampshire, uh, but nonetheless, still a great guy. (laughs) Nothing against New Hampshire. But I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Uh, For all information on Sparrow Fund, for information on our Facebook page, the Twitter, uh, the Instagram, will all be in the show notes. And I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Spread the word. And thanks for listening. Enjoy today's episode. All right, guys, we've got a great guest today. He is a young life leader, a father, a husband, an adoptive father, and he is the world's best t-ball coach. I have none other than the great name Bjorn Anderson. Bjorn, welcome, and thank you for coming on the podcast today. 
Dave, great to be here. Uh, really excited about it. Been enjoying listening. And um, yeah, really, really glad to be here. And you should know that my parents don't, they don't hate me. We're just Swedish. So that's how I got my name. Okay. Hey, well, and it means brave as a bear in Swedish. Well, if you're, uh, if you're, you know, scoring at home. You are now I, for the listener. Uh, Bjorn lives in, in the wonderful state of New Hampshire, and that's I, right. maybe that's more common up there. You know, being in the Midwest, you don't see a lot of Bjorns. Uh, but that's a great. It's a great name. I think it's an awesome name. Uh, I'm kind of jealous uh, that you have such a great name. You have the best oh, first name, but a very generic last name. Anderson is pretty. Uh, it's pretty common. You know, if you go through middle school with the name Bjorn, uh, you you deserve an easy last name like Anderson after just years and years of hearing your name mispronounced and butchered by a lot of a lot of middle school teachers, you know. So anyways, well, I mess up my students names all the time. So first for the listener, uh, I really don't know Bjorn. Uh, honestly, I just kind of met him. <laughs> I had the privilege of hearing him and his wife speak. Uh, what on the Sparrow Fund, which was this week's episode, uh, charitable organization. Uh, so him and his wife spoke just kind of about having uh, biological children and then adopting. So this, he's really the first guy I know nothing about. So we're going to learn together as an audience and myself. Uh, for it. So that's how I know Bjorn. Uh, they were awesome in their talk. And so I said, I got to get this guy on. Uh, and this well, I great. will. Uh... I'll try not to embarrass you and uh, I appreciate, you that. know, bring shame on this great podcast. Uh, so. it, it is great. I appreciate it. My parents listen, so I know that they're listening. So I like that. Uh, hello. <laughs> so I like to kind of start off. How are you and your family been doing during COVID? And like, maybe what's there some differences you've kind of seen in your family during this time? Yeah, I mean, you know, like everybody, it is it has been a weird time. Uh, we've never spent so much time together. Um, I grew a beard during COVID because I feel like if there's any ever been a time in human history when someone could grow a beard, it's it's now. And like, what's the worst thing someone's going to say? Hey, you look like you've been in your basement for a year. Like, check, you know. So um, anyway, so that happened. But, you know, it's uh, we're trying to after a year of COVID, we've been like spending time at the dinner table, actually just saying, Hey, what are some things that we're actually going to miss when COVID's over? And now who knows when it's actually going to be over? Is it ever going to be over? We don't know, but we've just been saying, Hey, like we're going to miss that. We've had like less activities to run off to in the evenings and more time sitting around the table. Um, and we're going to miss, you know, like coming up with like, goofy games to play in our basement and backyard. And so like the, the time together does force you to do some things uh, like more creatively, which we've enjoyed. Um, so I think we're, we're doing fairly well. Our two oldest boys just went back to in-person school last week. Um, and so they're really excited about that. Um, but overall, you know, people have had it really, really hard. It's been a very hard year. Uh, I think overall we're, we're thankful that we've done pretty well and, generally enjoyed most of the time best purchase we ever made was that we bought a trampoline for our yard which we happened to set up literally the week before the pandemic hit it was just amazing timing we didn't even know how much use we were going to get from that thing so uh that, that is a blessing uh, COVID. yeah it uh we have one as well ours is a definitely uh, seen better days uh, it's been yanked on and pulled on. I think we're missing two poles. And uh, so I have Jerry rigged it uh, to keep, I have like a old um, 
push broom pole that's holding part of it up but it works yeah trampoline ah, yeah. nice yeah. trampoline is a, is a good purchase then you just get super nervous when any kids come over and want to jump on it and you're like oh lawsuit lawsuit yes that is true that is true right yeah lawsuit waiting to happen but for covid it was it was great so you know, we actually, so, yeah, it's been, we're doing okay, but very, very weird year for everybody. We invented a game. My kids and I, we went down to the tennis court one day and we didn't have rackets. So we just started kind of playing tennis with a tennis ball, but we'd have to throw it. And for about three weeks, we would go out in like the snow and they loved it for about three weeks. We haven't played it since we called it COVID mm. ball. And it was basically tennis without a tennis Oh, rack. nice. So you work for Young Life, correct? You Maybe you want to explain what Young Life yeah, is for the yeah. audience. Yeah, so I'm. Yeah. So Young Life is um, an outreach to high school and middle school students. It's a lot like a faith-based big brothers, big sisters organization. So we work generally with students who go to public schools and um, we train leaders to build mentoring relationships with those students. And then we gather those, uh, the students together for large group meetings that we call club, where we just have a ton of fun, build community, um, have a lot of great games and, um, we give a short talk about uh, the basics of the Christian faith. Um, a lot of the students who are involved with Young Life might not have a faith background. Some do. Um, and we like to just kind of put the information out there, see how they want to handle it, uh, but just offer them really uh, just genuine relationships with caring adults and, and with other uh, students as well. Uh, and so I'm on, I'm on regional staff, so I help oversee Young Life in New Hampshire and Maine and Rhode Island and in that area. And my wife and I work, uh, we lead a local uh, wildlife is the middle school branch of Young Life, very appropriately named. And we lead a local wildlife club in our town of Dover as well, uh, which is Dover, where we live, is the fastest growing city in New Hampshire, Dave, just so wow. you know. So little nugget for your listeners. I don't know how fast New Hampshire is growing as a state in general, but I do live in the fastest growing state in New Hampshire or fastest growing city. Well, congratulations. Answer, so. I'm going to pop nice. you right in here to your warm-up questions. Uh, yeah, let's go for it. All right, tell me, what is your drink of choice? What are you drinking right now besides the tea that you're drinking right there? Uh, I'm drinking some ginger turmeric tea, um, although I really would uh, enjoy – I like ginger ale uh, mixed with cranberry juice. That's a nice nice drink. That's, they so. had that out, I think. My wife, when she was pregnant – I think really liked the Sierra Miss Cranberry, if I'm remembering correctly. That was one of her cravings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very similar. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's a nice drink. All right. What's the one thing that annoys your wife or kids the most? Ooh, annoys them. I just this evening was telling my kids, my two oldest kids, that they were bickering at each other. And my son said, don't ever use that word around me again. Don't use the word bicker. And I said, like, you know, I've already, I'm already, it's already established. I'm not cool. I'm in my mid forties. And he just said, if you want to be cool, like do not ever use that word. So using words that are not cool with the middle school crowd really, really annoys um, my children actually. So I love it. I, that's I, sort of a recent one. 
I like to use my kids have started using the word cringy. So I'm like, what's up? Cringy, cringy, cringy. They're like, Dad, stop, stop, Dad. Oh, bro. I mean, don't forget where I work, man. I'm a high school teacher. You know, I get this stuff. (laughs) So they can't get away with some of that. But yeah, they noob and spammer. I I, I get it all. Maybe I'm cringy to them, I guess, you know, but that's that's just how it goes as, you know, dad's in our 40s, right, Dave? You know, sorry. I should not, I should not, I should not speculate on your age, actually. We're just, we're just starting this relationship. I, in my 40s, so. I am almost anyway. 40. I'll be 40 in May. So I'm feeling it. Uh, I did, hey, all right. I, yeah. So it's a it, big one. Yeah, it is a big one. All right. So do you have a TV show? <laughs> a, a, do you have a TV show, a podcast, a book that you're really digging right now? You can answer them all or just one. My wife and I watched Ted Lasso over the holidays. I don't know. Dude, I caught an episode. Popular. That's a great show. Great show. It's, it's a fun show. It's a feel good show. Uh, we also uh, just wrapped up The Crown. Really enjoyed The Crown a lot. Um, that's a that's a good one. And you know, we were just going. We we're just going to start through the second time on The West Wing, uh, which is an old TV show about the presidency. Uh, and then Netflix pulled it. So apparently, there is nothing on Netflix anymore except like cartoons for four year olds. So, uh, anyways. That, those are some of our shows that that we really like a lot. I'm exposing myself by showing you I'm like right off the top of my head. A lot of shows can't name a book, <laughs> uh, you know, that I would uh, enjoy reading the Bible. It's a good one. It's still uh, it's it's got a lot of wisdom. So that's that sounds that's like a cliche kind of answer. But um, <laughs> I'll take top it of mind. You know, it is it is it is a good one. Are you a video gamer? I'm not. I'm not a video gamer. Yeah, my kids are uh, really into 2K, um, and uh, they really into video, into Xbox, uh, especially the sports games. But I am. I'm not. Um, but I, I loved Nintendo back in the day, growing up in the 80s. Played a lot of games, but never really was able to transition into the other, like the newer systems of games. Um, so, are you a gamer, Dave? Uh, I do play not nearly as much as I used to. Uh, I'll play with mm. my kids. I'll play okay. with my sons. They'll want to play Fortnite, which I despise. Um, but that's, oh, okay. Not a man, yeah. but, uh, you know, we'll play a little bit here and there. My son wants to play me in Madden. So when I play my son in Madden, mm. he wants to be – he. he well, you're a football not, coach. Right. So well, be, yeah. right. Right. But the problem is when I play Madden, I play like I coach. So I want to control the clock. I'm going to run the ball. And he's like, dad, do something else. Stop running the ball, pass the ball. And so I'll just drain yeah. it. And, and it's, and he's like, why are, do it. And then I'll get mad. Like, why, why is this safety not getting back where he needs to be? And then I'll stop and I'll go to instant replay. And I'm like, all right, my son's name, my oldest, Josh, why is this, where's the safety supposed to be? So it should be there. I'm like, that's right. This guy did not do his job. And that's why the play worked. So you're given like a chalk talk and he just, he just wants the stats, right? He wants like 80 points and a half. And yeah, yeah, that's how my kids play Madden. But it's funny. So we'll do that. And I had the privilege of coaching him in football. Uh, I let him play for the first time. So he's, he actually kind of, oh, that's awesome. He kind of, kind of gets it a little bit there. Well, enough about me. Yeah. So I'm going to share Number one, I'm excited to hear your story. So before I kind of turn it over to you, so Bjorn, the thing I'm really drawn to, to Bjorn about for the, for the listener is that he has three boys and tell me their names are not names, their ages. Yeah. So we have a 14 year old, 11 year old, and then a four year old. 
our three and they're they're our bio kids our biological they're biological uh, and then you would the three boys you've, yeah and you've adopted and, and you're going to tell here in a minute you've adopted a little girl and that's yeah. exactly where we're at so when i heard your story i'm like i gotta yeah. pick your brain so why don't you just kind of share you know as much as you want your adoption journey kind of how you got yeah. to this place yeah absolutely so uh, my wife and I, uh, Abby is my wife, and even before we were married, uh, when we were dating and, and starting to get serious, we we talked about adoption at that point in our relationship before, not just before we had kids or before we were thinking about kids, before we got married, we were just saying we really love the idea of adoption. My wife, Abby, has one sister who's adopted. Uh, that's been a part of her family. And um, we just loved the idea really from actually a, almost a context of the Christian faith that God offers us the, the chance to be adopted into, into his family. Um, so we talked about it for years, um, got married in 02. And then we had, had bi- we had biological children and then really felt like um, after two biological children that we we started the adoption process from the country of Ethiopia in 2012. And uh, we had a number of families we knew that um, had adopted from Ethiopia. I had traveled there and felt a strong connection to, the, to that country. Almost immediately after we started that process, things really, really slowed down from an international adoption perspective. Dave, I know you talked about it on this podcast a lot about how challenging it is to adopt internationally and how many countries are closing their doors. And that doesn't mean there's less children that need to be adopted internationally. It's just that the uh, restrictions are, are getting stronger and it's just, it's very challenging. So we, um, the process just slowed and slowed and they kept telling us, Hey, we think you're going to get a referral. This went on for years and years. And then we ended up having another biological child during that time when we were still waiting and we had to do just loads of paperwork and then we had to keep updating it because it was our home study and our fingerprints and all these things were like expiring. Um, and then in, in 2017, after we'd been waiting five years, we had never had a referral from Ethiopia. They actually shut down to international adoption. So they officially, uh, Ethiopian children are not, uh, cannot be adopted to the United States when- that, that ended in 2017. So when you were adopting from Ethiopia, so you, you basically waited five years and you never got a match. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, uh, we were in a lot of conversation with our agency who we really loved and really appreciated uh, all that they were doing. And honestly, Dave, like it probably made it a little easier that we did not have a match that fell through because we didn't have a, a name, a face of a child that we were getting connected to. We were connected with the idea. We were, were longing to adopt and bring a child into our home or children. We actually thought about a sibling set. Um, and it was still very hard, but I think if we had a child in pictures, uh, you know, as, as, as some of the story that you and your family have walked through just recently, it, it does make it emotionally more challenging. Um, so we never had a referral. And then after five years, Ethiopia ended. Yeah, or they they just closed their doors to an international adoption. I want to get to that in a minute. So you got to tell us. And like I know yeah. for, for guys, we don't like to share. What was that like mm-hmm. for five years? How did how did you navigate that? Maybe just just internally, but also with your wife, because I, I can't imagine five years of waiting. So mm-hmm. kind of what was that process? Like what did you how did you handle well, it? Well, I, I 
I will say this, like our, we knew when, when our paperwork officially went in, we knew it could be a two to four year wait. So we didn't expect, oh, it's going to be six months. So we knew it would be a while, but that didn't necessarily make it easier, especially as we hit like three years, four years, and it was not, nothing was really moving. Um, And we'd ask our agency, well, how many kids are getting referred or how many kids are available for adoption and they're saying ah, it's like pretty small like the government's just not 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 approving these referrals uh, so i mean i do i do think the challenge is the the waiting is is very hard and even you know our culture is is very instant gratification when we want things we get things fast and so i think that um that can be a challenge when you bring that to you know kind of the the, the family building experience, especially through adoption. And so um, I think some of the, some of the hardest things was just uh, people outside who didn't really understand adoption or why things took so long, who would, who would ask questions, mean, you know, who, who meant well, or who would say like, well, why don't you just switch to another country or why don't you adopt domestically, which are, which are legitimate questions. And there's a huge need for domestic adoption or adoption from other countries, China or other places. Um, but for us, we felt very attached to the country of Ethiopia and it was, it was a process we were really invested in and it was just taking a longer time. So it was definitely a, um, a faith building exercise and one that at times um, made us kind of frustrated or even questioning it. Um, but was, was definitely something that the waiting was, there's not a word for it. It's just very hard. We don't like to wait. I'm sure a lot of you guys listening are waiting for th- various things, you know, um, from maybe like a stimulus check all the way to like, just kind of, you know, your family to be, to grow the way you would like it to. And, and um, so the waiting is definitely challenging. I, I completely understand. What's one of the weirdest things someone, what's a comment that stuck out to you? Cause there's probably one that you really got that sticks with you or had stuck with you. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, language around adoption, but you know, I think a lot of people, the interesting thing is that while we were waiting, we did have another biological child, but there were definitely some comments of like, Oh, you're waiting for an adoption. Like, why don't you just have more of your own kids? And it's kind of like, well, what they meant was have more biological kids. Uh, and it was like, well, when we adopt a child, that will be our own child. Like that's not, you know, and that's a very common thing that people say sometimes. And I probably said year, years ago before I started to be involved with the adoption process. So it's kind of like, oh, well, we'll just have some more of your own, you know? And it's like, well, we, we want to, adopt a child from Ethiopia that can be ours, you know? And so um, I think that was, that was definitely a, a challenging, uh, a challenging, you know, thing for us. Oh, I know. I know that's one thing I'm trying to prepare myself for is the comments that will come, especially since our daughter, you know, will be Korean. It'll be pretty obvious probably. Mm. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. from, from that. So I, that's probably the thing that I'm worried about uh, maybe top my mind a little more. So it's just a little comment and how I'm going to react because sometimes I don't always react the best way. Um, not the young life leader way, like I should. <laughs> well, sometimes- there's a, there's a, there's a beauty to it is that is this, <clears throat> this, you know, multiracial family that you're, that you're building, but it is, 
yeah, it, do, it does look a little bit different. And so, yeah, there is a, a preparation of that. And then as the children get older, they come to, they notice the differences obviously. And, and many of the people listening, I'm sure have multiracial families and, and have walked through that. And then just walking through that with the child and what it means to be raised in a multiracial family, it is a big deal. So I think preparing yourself for a lot of those, um, those comments and questions that, that people mean well, legitimately mean well, but um, don't always know how to express them or they don't come out the right way. You know? I, I know a struggle and this is real talk. I'm just being real. Like, you know, recently mm. with, you know, this, this was being recorded not long after those Atlanta shootings. Yeah. yeah. Adopting a child from Korea, like it's a call to action for me. And I know that people I know, that uh you know i'm friends with um yeah they look at it very differently yeah it's interesting i'll I'll come to that but you you ask like you mentioned people maybe saying to you oh like that's too risky or that's too that's a challenging thing and i felt like that when we started the adoption process that there was a lot of well-meaning people who said oh that's that's really risky to adopt someone like that that might not go well and they i heard many people would tell me horror stories of adopted children that had really bad experiences and didn't connect with their families. And um, it was almost like it felt like to dissuade me maybe from adoption. And I, I don't disagree that many, there have been many challenges for children that are adopted, just as there's a lot of challenges for kids who are uh, not adopted, you know, I mean, and my response was always like, uh, like biological kids can have a lot of challenges and struggles and there's no guarantees in parenting. Like there is no guarantee that any child biological or adopted foster, whatever are going to be, are going to be problem free. They won't be problem free, certainly. Um, so it just felt like in anything in, in a marriage, like you take a risk in a marriage, you're giving yourself to this other person. And, and so you open yourself up for what could be challenges. So, Adoption does carry some more variables, but that was a thing. I would say getting back to your question about sort of a call to action as a having an Indian daughter who's a, a, a child of color in our home, it does has made me really just think of think of what the experience is of, of people of color in our country um, and what the history has been of people of color in our country and um, just see the our, our country and, and the history of our country through a different light in the way that, of course, you're going to see the horrible shootings in Atlanta uh, or in the Atlanta area last week and how they seemed on some level to target Asian Americans. We don't know all the motives there, but of course, based on like the little girl that is in your family and looking to be referred, you're just going to see that very differently. Um, and so I think that that has changed um, how I, how, how I think about things and just like it, it does help us think more, more globally kind of about our world, but then also what it's, what it is like as, as a non-white person in America. Uh, and I'm saying that as, as a white person. Um, so not that I can experience it, but I think that's a thought that we've, that something that my wife and I have talked a lot about and thought about. What about the right. little, the little comments that are probably made that you've heard at least at some point, Probably about your daughter, like that, that to me is, you know, it is, that has to be hard as a dad to, to, how do you keep your cool in that situation? 
You know, honestly, we she's been our daughter's been home about a year and a half and we have not heard any of those comments yet. Are we it's been overwhelmingly very positive. Um, that doesn't mean they won't happen. Um, we get a lot of our, our daughter's very endearing and very cute and very vivacious. And so she, she's kind of a, you know, the center of attention, uh, in most places she goes. And so we get a lot of generally, I think, positive comments. Um, the one comment that we did get also some of that sort of tying this back in was it, it felt like people, said oh it's that's such a good thing you're doing like there is a lot of comments like that which that is a very very nice like it's a very well-meaning comment but almost like um like we had donated some money to charity or we're like going to a soup kitchen to serve a meal um it was like what we were doing and it almost made it feel like oh well we're like that that it wasn't it was really born out of like, this is how we wanted to add to our family. Like it wasn't a, a checklist on a, like a charity, you know, bucket list or something like that. And so like, sometimes we struggled with that almost like how to kind of receive that in a, in a positive way, even though people would say it was a very well-meaning thing, but usually like, if you just say, Oh, my wife's pregnant, people wouldn't say, Oh, that's a really, that's such a like noble thing you're doing, you know, or like, that's, it, right. it doesn't, it, it's a little bit of a different response. Right, right. You know, I don't know if you've dealt with that, Dave, at all. Or like not, people, not yet. You know, uh, yeah, I, yeah. We have gotten a lot of, why, why aren't you adopting from America? We've gotten a lot of that. Yeah. And, and you know what I just say to that? Cause it, it is such a need. I'm sure there's guys listening that have fostered and adopted domestically such an amazing need, but I've always thought like to, to, to those people like and this might come across as a little rude is to say like well you know why don't you adopt from america because there's a lot of kids that you could adopt like that that's sort of like that's not that i would actually say that but like it's sort of like a need is not necessarily a call on your life like there's actually would be a great need for me to go um there's a great need for me to like go uh you know I don't know, do malaria education in certain parts of the country or the world where they don't know about malaria. That's a great need, but I'm not called to do that. And that, and so there's, you know, um, we felt called to adopt internationally for a variety of reasons as opposed to domestically. And that doesn't mean one's better than other or any way, but there is a lot, it is a natural question um, and not a wrong question, but it's also like, well, this is kind of our journey and what we're, what we feel called to. You know? I love that. That's a great answer. I, I think that's funny. So we're going to, I want to circle back around. So Ethiopia yeah. closes, that probably yeah. was tough. Did you guys quickly, did you guys recover from that quickly or did you kind of like <clears throat> settle and like, well, where are we going to go from here? What, what was yeah. That? Well, we, we worked with a great agency um, called America world adoption out of, out of Northern Virginia we really loved them and trusted them. And they, they had a developing India program. Um, and they just, they, we, they also have a program in China as they do in some other countries. And so we just started thinking, okay, this Ethiopia, it did take us probably a few months where it felt like sort of the, the death of a dream where we had to mourn the loss of the fact that we would not 
bring a child home from Ethiopia and have an Ethiopian child in our family. Um, and as we processed through that, we talked to our agency a lot and they said, Hey, we'd really encourage you to consider India. Um, there's, there's a need for, um, people to adopt there. And then it just became very intriguing. It's a, it's a country, you know, it's the second largest country in the world. It's an amazing country and an amazing culture. And, uh, as we were hearing about it, um, we just felt more and more drawn to that. And we appreciated the, the program that our agency was running in India. And so about just a few months after Ethiopia closed, we transitioned to India and within like a few months, we had a referral uh, for our daughter from India, which was, which was amazing. That's, so. that's awesome. Did you get to pick or did you have a gender preference? I, I know that some places do some. Yeah, we did not. Uh, we we're open to either gender um india does the children that are uh referred for adoption internationally from india are are special needs children um as china is a similar similar situation uh a lot of people might know this but like special needs as defined in in one country might not be the way it's defined in another country um, and so our daughter was defined with some special needs that actually have really, she's done remarkably well, um, health wise. That's not, that's certainly not the case of, from every, of every child. We've also been able to get some really, really amazing medical assistance uh, here in the United States. We actually got a grant from the Sparrow Fund, which is how we know you, Dave, to, um, do some, um, basically to like look at medical records of our daughter, and get professional medical advice uh, as we went into the adoption. So we knew what the exact medical situation was. And Sparrow Fund is a great organization that does that, does that grant and offers medical advice for adoptive um, international situations. So anyways, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that was, but we did not have a gender preference actually. Um, and then we were referred to a little girl and we're excited to add a little girl to our family with uh, three boys. So here's the crux of what I got to have you on. I, I kind of got around, but I, I got to get into it. All right. So number one, did you take your sons with you or at least your two oldest? Yeah. You did. Yeah, we took our, our uh, 14 and 11. They're now 14 and 11. They were 12 and nine at the time. We took them with us to India for two weeks to bring our daughter home. It was phenomenal to have them with us. It was amazing we had to leave our two-year-old at the time who's now four at home. We could not have brought a two-year-old for the traveling around India that we were doing. Uh, but yes, we brought our two older boys and it was a great move to have them with us uh, on that trip. All right. So when you told your sons, how did they react? Cause my, my sons were kind of like, yeah. And they, they've had their moments, but it, it wasn't like a movie moment. I called a movie moment. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. How did your sons respond? You're too oldest, obviously, since your youngest was very, very only two. They didn't really know any better. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was really interesting because the referral, we had the referral and we were waiting nine months. And then all all of a sudden there was all this documentation that just came through really fast, right at the end. And then they they called us on a uh Tuesday at the end of June and they said, We want you in India in a week. Yeah. We had no plane tickets. Yeah. So it's like, this is, I'm sure there's people listening. Like I'm thinking, okay, we have to fly our family to India. 
we actually were scheduled to go on a vacation to the Outer Banks of North Carolina with eight of my college friends, with all these families that week. And so it was far from being a movie moment when I told my two oldest sons, they were in tears because they were missing this vacation, you know, and we actually really worked there. You're the worst. Yeah. And so, but then they really, it was actually really cool. They came around to saying, cause I was saying to them, Hey, like, this is our, this is your sister in India. Like we're going to go get her. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to go on a vacation and wait to get her. If you were, if you were halfway around the world in an orphanage, like we would just come get you. Like we wouldn't, you know? And so it ended up being, kind of a cool thing but no you know the movie moment david like i think there's a lot of adoption there are a lot of adoption movies and youtube uh things and and it's a beautiful thing um but hey i'll tell you we we've had a lot of moments with adoption and and just with parenting in our house that uh would not make for movie moments if you know what i'm saying maybe maybe bad i feel you 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 bring your daughter home what was Having three biological sons, how did that change your house? Because I, this is, I'm excited to hear this answer because I am really unsure how my house is going to change when my daughter eventually comes home. Well, yeah, well, uh, a lot more like uh, hair product, I would say, like a lot more bows for the hair. Uh, we got like an Amazon shipment of like a, like a box of like 50 hair bows. I'm thinking, Oh, this is, this is different, you know? Um, but it was, yes, very, very different to have, to have a little girl after three boys, you know, with three, we were used to the, we were just passing clothes from one kid to the next, unless they just blew out the knees of those sweatpants. Yeah. Exactly. And, And we were, you know, we did, we did, we, we, you know, we did T-ball and then coach pitch baseball. And then we knew, we knew all the stuff to do like with boys. And uh, I think Abby, my wife was really just loved being a boy mom. She really embraced it. She's great with the boys. Not that she's not great with our little daughter, with our girl. Um, but it was, that was just a huge change, obviously to have a girl. I, and even just down to, changing the diaper of a girl versus a boy, not to get too graphic, but I was like, Oh, I gotta like learn all this stuff. And I got to learn, like, I don't know what outfits where you, you got to put tights on with some outfits. And I'm just thinking, can I just throw in like a, like sweatpants and a Red Sox t-shirt like every day, like I did with my other boys. And so those are sort of some of the shallow things, I guess, but you know, it, it is definitely a big change, but they, they, I mean, having three older brothers, pretty great. Who knows? She might not go on a date until she's like 29 years old with those guys, you know, watching <laughs> her. But um, so, but it's been, it was, it was great. It's, it's been a really, really fun transition. Did your, sons kind of, house. did your sons buy into it like as brothers or did it take a little while? Mm. No, they bought in. It was artist on our young, our three-year-old. I, I think he was, I mean, I should know he was, he was actually not quite three when, when, when our daughter came home and that's one of the interesting things about an adopt that you'll learn as you bring your daughter home is like when you have biological children, you bring a newborn baby home who really does not do a lot when you bring them home. Like they, they cry and they don't sleep, but they just kind of sit there and, and they like slowly develop. But we brought home a 15 month old 
girl who could walk and talk a little bit and had a lot of uh, desires and had a pretty strong will. And so our three, our two year old, two slash three year old is like, we, he, he just got this sister who's now in his space and throwing his matchbox cars and taking all his stuff. And whereas like when you bring a newborn baby home, that, that baby's not like just getting right into all the, the stuff. So that was the biggest, biggest challenge was on our youngest boy, I think, or, or like biggest um, uh, adjustment, I would say, you know, our older boys, they, they really embraced it and actually were quite helpful uh, in as far as getting them food and doing, doing sort of small ish type things to help. And, and that's just been, I think you're going to love having four kids. So that, that's what I really enjoyed hearing the fact that your sons bought in and they bought and they were helpful. That's great. I really hope for that. My sons will do the same thing. My grandmother told us that when they brought home my aunts, that mm. it was kind of a novelty for about a month. And then my, yeah. my uncles, now they were, they were quite a bit older. They were 14 and 16. My okay, dad was interesting. 16. Yeah, but it was fun for a little bit, but then <laughs> my grandma, the novelty wore off, and then we let them get locks on their doors so their sisters wouldn't come and touch all their stuff. Their guitars. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. Hearing that, I was like, man, that that reminds me. I will tell you, there have been some broken Lego sets and art projects that have not that hasn't you know maybe the novelty is worn off there. But I will say, just having a larger family, I think it teaches kids as they get our oldest is fourteen teenagers you know the world kind of revolves around them as it does for a lot of us but it's like hey we got a two-year-old like this family is just not just all about you like you you've got to help with this and that and uh and that's been a helpful thing i think as as those kids get as our oldest get a little older yeah that that's great to hear so when you know as you had a as you had a, a biological son and then you adopted how did that change your marriage like in what ways mm. did you kind of did that strain or put more stress or maybe it didn't? I, you know, I, I don't know that adoption has necessarily changed it. I just think like having a four-year-old and two-year-old is like kind of a, a, a stressful situation with, while also having teenagers. So we're navigating like, Hey, when do we get our kids cell phones and how do we deal with teaching them about social media and all the stuff that's out, you know, in, in the world and, then we're doing body training and, you know, we, we would get our youngest kids to bed at like seven 30. And it feels like, you know, when you have young kids, sometimes it's like the 5 PM to 8 PM. It, it feels like you've, you know, gone through, you know, a, a war and then you get them in bed and then we'd come downstairs and our two older guys are like, what are we doing? Are we watching a movie? Are we going out to ice cream? And you're like, I, I like want to, collapse you know on the couch so that's like a little bit of a challenge i think so i don't know i feel like it's just the challenges of having four kids and having younger kids has been harder necessarily than than the fact that our youngest is adopted actually um that's not true of everyone she's she's uh, attached quite well to us and us to her um so it's been a blessing uh but it's just, it's just a, like kind of a larger family. It's been a little bit more of a challenge. Do you find yourself having to be more mindful as you uh, plan time with your sons to try to make them, you know, is that something that, and that's something I've been trying to think of, like, how do I be more, yeah. do you have any tips for that? Yeah, no. And I do think that, I, I think that sometimes there has to be right. Cause our oldest, especially like if, if, 
if they didn't, sometimes it feels like our 14 year old and 11 year old get almost like weighed down by the younger kids. Like we can't just, Hey, let's just take off and go skiing or let's just go do this or let's do that. Cause we have a four-year-old and two-year-old and we can't just always take off and go do that. And they got nap times and they're, they, you know, this kind of thing. Um, and so sometimes we just have to be cognizant of like, Hey, um, you know, my, my wife was great in, in like, you know, a few weeks ago, she said like, Hey, what, you just need to take them up skiing for a day and they need to get some time, like just doing that or things like that. We just, we do have to be like a little bit more intentional about sort of finding time um, for them. Cause sometimes it does feel like they've, they've sacrificed uh, some things in this process as well, even though it wasn't uh, fully their choice, <laughs> you know? Um, but we hope that over the long run, it's a, it's a blessing for them as well. Do you find that that is something that maybe it, they have shown like anger or frustration towards you guys from that? Or have you seen anything? Like they have not. No, they haven't. Um, which has been, it, 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 we're glad that it hasn't like they have felt they've, they've enjoyed, uh, are having having younger children and they'll say a lot I, I mean i can't imagine i can't imagine life without these two younger kids and they even have friends over this afternoon i was came home and there were like uh five middle school kids bouncing on our trampoline the covid trampoline and they like pull the four-year-old and two-year-old on the trampoline with them and are just jumping around and they're like they're engaging and it's like they just like brought them right into their world, what they were doing. It was, it was really fun, you know? So if, if it was like, Hey, if we don't, if we don't have a lawsuit here, this is actually going to be a really fun afternoon. And, and it yeah, was get the was waiver fun. sign. Got to get the parents to sign that. That's way. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no waiver, no jump. Is that's what you should put on that? Side. I know. Should have. Yeah. It is a scary right. thought. All right, man. I, I, it's like, late. I don't want to keep you. So I'm going to end off our show with our traditional, like fifth down end of the show questions. All right. Great. What is your favorite thing to do with your children? Oh man, that is good. I'd have to say most recently, well, man, during COVID, our favorite thing was either to go to the beach or like go on a hike. Um, that was a lot of fun. We also, my wife's family lives uh, out in Cincinnati, sort of out towards the Midwest. And we have done a number of drives to her house. It's a, it's a 14 hour drive. It's a 17 hour day in the car with stops. And it sounds crazy. We have had a ton of fun on these 17 hour road trips with our kids, just making memories and letting them eat like a lot of a lot of fruit snacks and a lot of sugar. And, and we, we've had a lot of fun on these road trips. We've probably done that trip 10 or 12 times. Um, and have really enjoyed it. So that's more of like a, that's not something you would just <laughs> do every day. Um, but we like, we like going to the beach a lot too. You're a better parent than me. Cause usually my car trips are not that much fun. Um, <laughs> well, we, they watch their fair share of DVDs and stuff like that too, but it's been, it's been kind of fun. We decide that we're only going to have two of everything. So there's always been one kid that's going to be left out. So we think that's more fun. So someone's going to be upset. They someone's going to be crying. Hey, that just, that just makes it fun. All right. So what is your biggest struggle being a dad of four? Impatience, period. End of story. Lock it down. Take it to the bank. I mean, it is like, it is just, I am I never knew how impatient I was until I had kids. And then I had two and then three and then four and didn't realize that I could get increasingly more impatient with these 
humans that have their own will. And it just shows. I also just realized, Dave, there's like so many times where I'm like, I just want to rush through like to get something done. And then I'm thinking like, they don't, they want to stay in the tub for like 25 minutes or 30. Like they just want to have fun. And I'm like, let's get in the tub. Let's get out. Why? Like sometimes you need to do something or go somewhere, but a lot of times they just want to enjoy the moment and I just want to get it done. And so, but I, but I, that's more of a humorous thing, but there is, there is a lot of impatience and I see my own faults uh, at play in, in huge ways uh, in the way I'm very, very frequently impatient to them. You're preaching the choir. All right. I ask everybody this question. What would you put on a billboard about adoption to other possible dads? So you're driving down the highway. You can put one billboard up. What would you put on that for anybody that's considering fostering or adopting? That's great. That is really good. Um, I mean, I would probably put adoption, just do it. But I guess what I mean is I just think there's such a need for adoption. Um, I know obviously it's, it's expensive. It's time consuming. We talked about the weight, but there's such a need. Um, and the same is true, is true for fostering. Like it's just, a, it's a, it's, it's a huge need. And if you, if you are listening and you feel like you have a home that is loving and you have like a stable marriage or, you know, like there's, there's kids that need that, you know, need, need, need that family that you can offer them. I think that as dads, I've really come to realize that we're just afraid. And it's just hard to admit that we're afraid. Um, And I think, you know, part of being hurt. And I I know for me, you know, thinking about at one point being a foster family, I was like, could I love a child to come my home and then have to tell them goodbye. And and yeah, we looked at that route and and that's, I love the way you just do it. I I think we just have to kind of try it. And, 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 you know, and, and there's our, you you could fail, but that you could fail at playing Madden, as I find out. You know, uh, finds out. So, but I love that. So, all right, last. And you question. probably and you probably will fail. Oh yeah, in, in all these aspects, because you'll fail at parenting biological. Oh, I am already failing. It's uh, in, yeah. I I, uh, I made a bad call in our football game today. So I mean, it's uh, it's uh, I, I fail all the time, but that's part mm-hmm. of life, and you have to learn from it and. Uh, just try not to fail too much. All right. So what's the best advice? And you kind of answered it with your billboard. What's the best advice you can give an adoptive or foster dad? That's good. I think our prayer for our little girl is that we pray that she would know how much God loves her and how much we love her. That's like the kind of constant refrain is like, just pray that your, your kids know, uh, would know how much you love them. And, and, and getting back to the impatience, I think there's times I demonstrate that I love my kids and, and times where I frankly don't do not demonstrate that I love my kids. I, I demonstrate that I love myself more, you know? Um, and, but I want over time for them to be convinced of my love and then that I'll point them to the love that, that God, the father has for them. So I think, um, pray that you'd be able to, that they would know, know your love and the, and the, and then ultimately you would be able to display that love, you know, as, as much as possible. Um, the other thing I'd say to adoptive dads, seek help, ask questions. This podcast you're doing, Dave is awesome. It's trying to, you know, create a community of people that have adopted. It is different adopting than having biological kids. So get in communities of people who have experienced things like you have, I'll give a shout out to the Sparrow Fund. They do a lot uh, beyond just giving grants. They do retreats and try to create networks. 
um, of adoptive parents to come together to have discussions and forums and um, just hearing from other people that have traveled those roads and hearing that things are normal um, and that that uh, things are challenging and you know it has been very helpful so get help reach out and social media is another great place there's a lot of facebook groups and things like that for <clears throat> adoptive parents and and families now, i i like the way that you to make community and i think dads especially there's because there's a ton of things out there for moms or at least that are yes, that's have true. a lot of moms in them like podcasts i think every like I told you before we started, when I started looking at re- listening to podcasts on adoption, almost all of them were led by moms, mm. like the, the adoptive yeah. mom. Plus, it, there's yeah. they're, they're good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I think you know it's hard for guys to relate, and even if they got on a podcast with moms, that's you're still kind of like it's like usually a one and done, or you know my husbands are on, and and and. and it, it, and I love what you're doing with the, the adoptive dad playbook and saying like I I think. I've been to a number of some adoptive retreats, marriage retreats for adoptive couples. And sometimes it feels like, frankly, the, the, the wife or the woman is driving the adoption process. Um, and that's fine. Sometimes that happens where one spouse might be more um, quick to embrace it than another. But I would say like, guys, as dads, like embrace your identity as a dad and an adoptive dad and seek help talk to other people, get in community with dads because all the research would show how incredibly important a dad is in the life of a child. It is a huge uh, responsibility and privilege. That does not mean that a mom is not important on any level at all. But I think sometimes when the dad is absent, which frankly, if one parent is absent, it's oftentimes the dad, that weight is felt um, and that's a real challenge. So anyways, dads, uh, you know, get after it and, and get help and, um, get, get connected with other adoptive dads. Very eloquently put, and I appreciate your words. Uh, you, you can tell that you speak frequently because you're such a polished speaker. You have your words are you're like a wordsmith the way you put oh, it. Oh, well, thanks, Dave. Appreciate <laughs> that. I'll put it on uh, my business card. Word. Yeah, he's there. Well, I mean, you're number one, great name. Number two, i love your your open and honesty that you shared and especially hearing that your sons didn't want to kill your daughter when they brought her home i appreciate hearing that uh so i just don't know what to expect whenever we get home uh, we talk about taking our sons w- whenever we get that chance but right now covid you mm. just be there for two weeks so that'd be pretty much- oh man i know that's hard we were thankful we got that got be able to bring our daughter home before covid and a lot of the waiting as you know during this time has been especially challenging man. yeah it's, it's, but man, thanks for coming on and you just really appreciate taking the time. I know it's 1030 where you're at at night. I'm and you're in your rocking chair already. You already drank his tea. So, um, uh, I, <laughs> Hey, I am an old uncool man. We've already discussed that. We know that you, yeah, that's right. Words. It's been, yeah. <laughs> but, I love a good rocking chair. So but anyway, I, I but. appreciate it. And I think that you really help a lot of people. So you are a man, have a great week and I'm sure I'll talk to you in the future at some point. And I appreciate yes, it. Absolutely. This is great. Love the adoptive dad playbook. Love what you're doing, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Really thanks. appreciate it. Thanks. Bjorn. 
Hey, thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was really good. He had some phenomenal information, and I really appreciate Bjorn. Thank you for coming on. If you guys need anything, if you have any prayer requests that I can pray for you about, if you have any questions, I put you in contact with people that could help you, please email me at theadoptivedadplaybook at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. If you have any show ideas or a guest you think would be good, love to hear from you. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great week. And till then, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Be sure to follow us on social media 